Two weeks ago, we began a series of Christmas messages focusing on my favorite theme in life, namely worship. The title of the series, Oh, Worship the King. So far, we've studied in the first message, Jesus is worthy of our praise from Hebrews chapter 1 about who he is and what he's done, the eternal God, the creator who became man, the incarnation, tempted in all points, died as the only acceptable substitute for sinners and for sin. And then last Sunday, we studied from uh, Matthew chapter 2 that Jesus is worthy of our gifts. Uh, And we looked at the magi, the wise men, who brought gold, frankincense, myrrh. And we considered that we are to offer to him all that we are, all that I am, all that you are, for he is worthy of that. And today is the third of this four-part series, Jesus is worthy of our service. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, if you'd make your way to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And as you do, this idea of worship and Christ coming and what he did, there are believers, and they mean well, uh, and, and, and I say that not in a condescending way, uh, but they hold that the plan of redemption, that is the salvation of the human soul, is the primary focus of the work of Christ. I disagree. I respectfully disagree. I believe the Word of God teaches that salvation is one of the manifestations of the grace of God, but that the primary purpose of salvation is that he might be exalted. You see, salvation is not primarily about me escaping hell. Salvation is primarily about him receiving glory. Amen? And it's important that we understand that because it puts the Lord in his right place. It puts me in my, my right place. Oh, to be sure, my salvation, your salvation. Uh, the, the, the dividends are out of this world, <laughs> uh, literally. They're eternal. But that's not primarily why Christ came. He primarily came so that the nations may praise him and will do so for all eternity. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it tells us, hopefully it will tell us, Guys, I'm not advancing. There I am. Um, That in love, he predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he do it? To the praise of the glory of his grace. And so when we talk about, oh, worship the king and praising him in this way and that way, it's because not primarily because I've been benefited, although I have, but it's primarily because he is worthy of that. Motive is important. Priorities are important. And it's good, it's important that we get this just right. And so today, we continue this Christmas focus of worship in an active way, because there's no such thing as passive wor- worship. Worship uh, is not something that uh, passively happens to me. Worship is something which actively emanates from me, meaning you, I, if you know the Lord, must be active, participatory, demonstrative 
in one way or another in our worship. Now, for me, uh, my personality lends itself to be out there a little bit, but you haven't lived with Kathy. <laughs> if you think my personality is out there a little bit. Our personality is really out there. Uh, in fact, uh, Lacey, while you were playing uh, this song, I had to almost buckle my seatbelt just to hold my, myself in, in, in place. But that might not be your personality. And you don't, you don't need it to be. But whatever, however God has made you, let your all come out in worship of him. And today, specifically, in worship of him through serving him. Look at Luke chapter, where are my glasses? You ever do that? I literally, oh, there they are. <laughs> I literally didn't know where they were. Uh, Luke chapter 2, check that. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. They were engaged of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou who art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered in her mind what manner of greeting this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called um, the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then when, uh, said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, who uh, hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Today, Jesus is worthy of our service. Three primary points if you're taking notes. And the first I want us to consider is that we must anticipate his will. What does it mean to anticipate his will? Uh, it means to be in a, a continually in a state of readiness. As a believer, I'm to walk through this life in a continual state of readiness, anticipating that he is going to providentially drop something into my life this moment, in five minutes from now, in three days from now, in which he will want me to represent him in that context, all the time anticipating his will. And a lot of times it has to do with evangelism. Be ready to share, to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason of the hope that's in you, 1 Peter 3.15. Be ready to encourage someone at the drop of a hat. Be ready to uh, drop and, and pray with someone and for someone all the time, walking through life with the mindset that God wants me to serve him in each and every moment of life, whatever and wherever he may lead me, whatever he may have me 
doing. I'm to anticipate his will. Now, if you'll notice uh, um, in this text, Mary and Joseph, they had kept their temples pure uh, before, uh, before God's will was even known to him. In fact, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19 says, Joseph was a just man, this very same root word for righteous. He had genuine saving faith in the Lord and his temple he left and he kept preserved because God was going to use him in that state. And of course, the same was the case with Mary. She was highly favored in verse 28 in our text. Uh, in fact, later in this passage, in verse 47 in Luke 1, it says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And so this is a redeemed young lady, Joseph, a redeemed young man. Therefore, because of knowing the Lord, having a personal relationship with the Lord, Jehovah, they stood in a state of readiness to act on his will at a moment's notice. Now, folks, we, we kind of understand that that, that that might be extreme. He might call me to, uh, 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 what's that pl- uh, uh, place in Africa sometimes I, I, I use? Uh, Timbuktu. What country is Timbuktu? It's Turkey? I thought Timbuktu was Africa. <laughs> Wherever it is, he may call you there. Might God call a missionary, a, a young person out of Redbridge, or a middle-aged or an older person to go to Timbuktu? Could that happen? Yes, it could happen. Be in a state of readiness. Because his will means I'm going to worship him in serving. Well, your calling in your life and where God places you, probably it's not going to be as extreme as was the case with young Joseph and Mary. Two virgins, maybe teenagers, probably so, and were told to get up, head to Bethlehem, told through a pagan government, go to your home city to, be re- to register to be taxed, and uh, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to be filled with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is an extreme situation. We probably are not going to face uh, situations as extreme, but like Mary and Joseph, who accepted the will of God by faith, so too must we accept the will of God by faith. So it could be that the Lord is going to put into your lap something that you're not prepared to do, you're not inclined to do, you're not really even wanting to do. Brother Bill Campbell, hold up your hand, missionary to Haiti, right back here in the fall of 2001, he and Jennifer called me at the church office and just said, this is back in the days where you have two people on the same, on a phone, you know, with an extension, uh, and they're both on there, and I'm talking on the phone, they're talking to me, God has called us to be the missionaries to, for, to orphans in Haiti. And I said, wonderful, immediately, my spirit bore witness with theirs that this is absolutely the will of God. And then I got to thinking, if they're going to Haiti uh, and we're going to own, and, and our church is going to own and operate an orphanage in a third world country, that means that I have to be involved as the senior pastor. Haiti has lions and tigers and bears. And I did not want to go to Haiti. The last thing I wanted to do was go to Haiti. But the Lord put that, I'm walking in a state of readiness. 
I'm anticipating his will. Whatever it is, I'm going to serve you. I have vowed at the point of salvation, you are Lord. You are in charge. You're the boss. What will you have me to do? And so he puts in my, situ- my lap, uh, uh, providentially, a situation I was not particularly inclined to do. So we planned. I'm thinking, God, are you sure I'm the one to do this? I like clean, sterile operating rooms. And you're putting me in Haiti? And the first day I get there, I went to a bathroom, if that's what you want to call it. Couldn't use the, drink the water in the faucet, so you had a bottle of water, but it did have a sink. And my toothbrush falls off on the floor of a Haitian bathroom that had never been cleaned in world history. <laughs> right next to touching a huge dead tarantula. I said, <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> okay, God, I'm here. Here we go. And of course, the rest is history. God has done great things through Haiti, home of hope. And the point I'm making is you might not like the particular area of service. You would not have chosen it. But the Lord is, has groomed you and prepared you. And now, if you're anticipating his will, if you're in a state of readiness all the time, like Joseph and Mary were, not knowing the extreme circumstances into which they would be called, they moved right out and served. Anticipate his will, being a state, being a state of readiness for his will. Secondly, it follows then that we must accept his will, verses 29 to 37. It has to be our mindset. I have to uh, pre, uh, pre-determine ahead of time that whatever it is, and folks, that's still the case for me. It seems like uh, I will live out my days in the pastorate, but I don't know that that's the case. There have been any number of things that have come into my life that I didn't anticipate, didn't invite, didn't want, but providentially it came along. And the same is the case for you. Anybody here chart out your life at age five years old and you're 55 now and it has gone exactly according to plan? (laughs) No. Bill, how old were you when uh, God called you into the ministry? You were 40. Um, Others uh, have had similar situations. Uh, Cesar, how old were you when you got saved? You were 20 when you got saved. I was as well. And when you got saved, you didn't know you were going to get saved. And when you did get saved, you didn't know that you were going to be called into worldwide missions, did you? At that very moment. It was sometime after that, the Lord providentially, by virtue of him, them, and others, being anticipating, being in a state of readiness, then you accept his will. That's what Mary and Joseph did. They worshiped him in serving And the way you serve is to be in a state of readiness and to accept whatever it is he has for you. And it might seem extreme to you, but if you know this is the will of God for you according to the word of God and and providentially and the like, then you need to accept his will. Thirdly, we see in our text in verse 38, we must act on his will. Verse 38, Mary said, behold, thy handmaid, be it unto me according to your word. Whatever you say, God, here I go. I'm acting on it. 
I'm great with child. All of a sudden, instantaneously, I'm not known a man. How's that going to come to pass? The angel said, God will take care of it. Okay. Now, get up, go to Bethlehem with Joseph. You're engaged, Bo, and there they go. And of course, you know the rest is history. We must act on his will. Well, what does that mean? Folks, serving God is nothing more or nothing less than making a difference in the lives of others. In the lives of lost people, you're serving him through evangelism. And so, just picture this. You're in the backyard, you're raking your leaves, you're mowing your grass, whatever it might be. A neighbor hollers at you, hey, I'm new here. And because you're walking in a state of readiness, your antenna goes up. Does this person know the Lord? Uh, Is this person of another religion? Does this person have any interest in the things of God? You have that on your mind because you care for lost souls, amen? And so you're anticipating what door God might open and you're watching for that and you're aware of that and your uh, your, uh, interest and your attention is heightened in that way. And you engage the neighbor and somehow something comes up, the neighbor says, the world is a terrible place, isn't it? And you say, absolutely it is. In fact, Scripture says the world is standing in in the path of God's judgment. And that person then will play off of that one way or the other. And so you're anticipating it, and in fact, you are following his, by serving other people, serving the lost with the gospel, serving believers with encouragement, uh, with uh, correction, with uh, 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 linking arms together, walking side by side. You're serving God by serving other people. Now, folks, we used to say in my family when they, uh, when they were young, they may or may not remember this, <clears throat> where there's a ministry, there's a mess, often. In fact, it says in Proverbs that if you have oxen in the stalls, what else do you have? <laughs> you got some cleanup to do, right? <laughs> the Word of God tells us that. So we need to anticipate that. If I'm going to jump into this life for the cause of Christ serving God by sharing with you, then it might mean time and effort, maybe money, uh, 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 emotional uh, 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 upheaval possibly, any number of things. But I'm serving him. He's the king. I'm the subject. And so in worshiping that way, I'm going to move out and care for others. And folks, we have the best example of that in what Jesus said about himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered, not to be served, but to serve, but to minister, to, and ultimately to give his life a ransom for many. He came to really serve in, in an infinite way by offering eternal life. Think about that. He offered himself so that you could have eternal life. God demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we cleaned up our act. It it, it wasn't when I became acceptable to him. It was while I was dead spiritually, depraved, uh, evil, a blasphemer, and, and all the rest. At that time, he died to take my place. He came to serve, and the Father was glorified in that. We are called as well to serve. It says in Luke 22, 27, I am among you as he that serves. So Christ established the pattern uh, 
how we're to live our lives, anticipating his will, accepting it, and then acting on it. And what, what characteristics will that take on? How will that be flavored? Let me offer four very, very quickly. First of all, if I'm serving him by serving others, it's not serving him if it's not done in love. Does your service at Redbridge have the best interest? This choir, those who minister, those who work in uh, audiovisual, those who are caring for little ones, those who serve in the parking lot, those who support missionaries, you name whatever the area of service is, is it characterized by doing so because I want to love others? I truly want to pour, not I have to, but I get to. I get to serve him by loving you. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of things I could be doing and you could be doing on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. But you have gathered and I have gathered because we want to worship him in service by making a difference in someone else's life. So I ask you, what area of service do you have at this church as a member? And are you fulfilling that because of a selfless motivation of wanting someone else to be benefited by that's how we're to serve we're to do so in love secondly i must serve with gratitude god you have called me you've saved me you've gifted me you've given me talents you've given me opportunities to make a difference for the cause of christ wow that's amazing. The eternal God, the God of the, the ancient of days has said, Vic, I want you. Come to me. And now I'm going to equip you. And now I'm going to commission you to, not because of being a pastor, uh, it's whatever it is. I've sat in your, walked in your shoes as well. Some of you have in my shoes. But it doesn't matter what it is. It's that it is. It's that he has called you to serve him in a particular way. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the last of the Puritans wrote, the heir of heaven, namely the believer, serves his Lord simply out of gratitude. He's no salvation to gain. I'm not, trying to, I'm not serving because I have salvation to gain. There's not any heaven to lose. I'm not gonna be kicked out of heaven. Now, out of love to God, who chose him, to the God who chose him, and who gave so great a price for his redemption, he desires to lay out himself entirely to his master's service. Now, is that you? Child of God, honestly, if you've come to worship, and you would, you would concur with, oh, worship the king, and serving him is part and parcel of that, would you say, I am characterized by serving Christ because of love for him and love for others and a grateful heart to God that I'm not dead and in hell right now. Because that ought to be Lamentations 3. It's only because of his mercy that I'm not condemned and that I'm not consumed, but his mercy is great, amen. And he has saved me, he has saved you. So I am compelled to serve him and I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I get to. Because I'm to serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness of heart. Um, making a difference 
for the cause of Christ. Thirdly, now it's an issue of motive. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I preaching? Why am I singing? Why am I giving an offering? Why am I teaching that class and going to missions and on? I must serve him, him in humility, meaning if remuneration, payment, or recognition, praise, is why I'm doing what I'm doing, even if it has a little hint of it, then it's not an offering unto the Lord. It's wood, hay, and stubble. It's not gold and silver and precious stones. And 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9 uh, talks about that. Those who have showy gifts, platform presence, if you will, Brother Sailor, Diana, Scott, me, those who are before the people. The danger is in, is in reading your own press reports. You know what I'm saying? Those of you who have a special ability, you have something that you can do that most people cannot do, at least can't do to the level that you can do it. And when you offer that to the Lord, folks, it needs to be, I'm just a clay pot, right? I'm, I'm made of dust. I'm a dirt clod. <laughs> but I'm God's dirt clod. <laughs> Amen? And, and he has redeemed his dirt clod to make a difference. But I need to remember, it's his ministry. It's his church. I am his. And I'm a steward over that. So serve him. And I, I want to serve him with my heart. And then finally, I must serve with kindness. Many years ago, I was sitting in a restaurant reading from, I think, Ephesians. Be ye kind one to another. And I thought to myself, I was so gripped and so convicted that I couldn't get that thought off my mind for days and days, maybe weeks. And I determined then that I was going to make it initially a discipline in my life and pray that it would become a character trait of showing kindness whenever I could and looking for opportunities to show kindness. When I had uh, my Achilles uh, ankle, Achilles tendon repaired last January, Kathy and I uh, went on a trip to see her, uh, her now late mother. And we were in a uh, uh, airport somewhere. I don't even remember where we were. And I was struggling. I mean, it was, it was not easy. Uh, crutches, wheelchair, and, and the like, and luggage, and, uh, and Kathy was such a trooper and all, but anyway, we're in an airport, uh, and, and you, could, you could see that I was struggling a little bit, uh, ambulating, getting around, and there was a man we didn't know from anywhere who went up to the worker, the gate attendant, and told the gate attendant uh, something. Gate attendant came to me uh, and said, you've been anonymously given a first-class seat for this flight. Would you accept it? <laughs> if God wants to jump into this situation, how am I going to resist him? Yes, I'll gratefully do that. We did find out uh, who had given it, and it was another believer, a fellow believer, who just simply had a character trait of, God, I'm serving you today, but I'm doing it with kindness. Kathy, you remember that situation, don't you? 
They didn't, he didn't have two seats, by the way. <laughs> and she wouldn't let me let her have that seat. She wouldn't let me offer it to her. No, no, you need this. You help other people out. God wants you to be helped out. And I thought to myself, that is serving the Lord in a kind way, over-the-top kind sort of way. He had paid for the first-class seat, and if you all know, that's three times more expensive than the seat that I had. Show kindness. <clears throat> the Lord did. Romans 2.4, uh, it's the kindness of God which led me to repent. So if God showed, had, has shown me that level of kindness in Christ, well, it ought to be nothing for me to follow suit. Amen? The flesh will get in the way. The enemy doesn't want you to. God's will is that you serve him in love, gratitude, humility, kindness. Don Whitney, former professor at Midwestern Seminary, said our attitude should be, not, should never be, how little can I serve in the church without my conscience bothering me? <laughs> Folks, that's guilt motivation. That doesn't honor the Lord for the joy of the cross, it says about Jesus. It, shouldn't never, it should never be that, but instead it should be how much can I serve without neglecting my other God-given priorities? You see, you can be too loaded with activities. And that wouldn't be the will of God. You're not serving the Lord in that case. But if you are breathing and saved, he has something for you. Say, I don't know what it is. Talk to me. Maybe I can help you there. I've never known a pastor who didn't uh, have some job ready to go for someone who has a willing heart. J.I. Packer wrote, the most significant, and this is, this is key, this is important that we understand this. The most significant gifts in the church's life in every era throughout time are ordinary natural abilities sanctified. That is, that are surrendered to him. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. The doorposts were rattling. Everything was, was quaking and shaking. The seraphim were screaming out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I fell down as if I was dead, Isaiah said. and said, Lord, here am I. Is there something I can do? Send me. I will do it. I will serve you because I'm the subject and you're the king. And Packer wrote, it's your ordinary abilities, talents, opportunities, life situation. It's just the normal course of life in which he is going to use me to serve him. With God as my witness, I doubt that he is ever going to call me to be the church pianist. You know why? Because every song would, would end this way. I loved Lissandos. That's the best piano special I've ever performed in a worship service. I don't fathom 
that he will have that for me. Because it's not my life in any way, shape, or form. Ah. But a virgin pregnancy wasn't Mary's either. So there are those extreme, extraordinary calls to Haiti to support missions, to lifelong singleness. 1 Corinthians 7, a preferred state, if that's what God has for you. That's a good calling, if that's what God has for you. So there are exceptional callings as well. So in either way, and everything in between, worship Him in your service to Him. Serving God by making a difference in others' lives. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word, how Joseph and Mary modeled this example. And you blessed in a profound way. She brought forth her firstborn son, and they named him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And you have, and you did, and you still do. And so I'm grateful for that. Grateful that you've called me to yourself And that calling involves and means to serve you, to worship the king through service to the king. Lord, would you move on hearts in this place to fulfill your will 